Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. That was the refreshed worship team. Thank you, guys. And our speaker today, go ahead and give him a hand. That's good. Our speaker today is Brandon Smith. Brandon's been on staff with us here at Quail for three years, but full-time just this past year, one year. Uh, for the first two years, he was part-time, in a part-time role, the primary leader and preacher at the Refresh service. He continues to do that, but now we've added to his portfolio working with our Go projects, and also he oversees all the publicity here at Quail. God is truly using this young man for his glory, and we're happy to, to be with him on the team and hear from him this morning as he's going to bring the Word of God to us today. He's married to Melanie. They have two little ones, Luke and Bethany, and uh, we just want to pray over what God's going to do here. So would you pray with me before before Brandon comes to, to lead us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to hear from our young adult ministry today. We pray that as Brandon preaches the word this morning, that we are blessed and encouraged in all that you are and have for us. Lord, we recognize that the Quail family is somewhat split today. Our, our high school ministry is up in, in Hume at the winter camp. So we pray for them too. No matter where the members of Quail are today, we ask that you are giving blessing and guidance and direction. And uh, Lord, we pray that you be glorified in all that we say and do. So bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you welcome Brandon Smith as he comes to lead us today? Thank you, Pastor Mark. Uh, It is a blessing and a privilege to be here with you guys this morning. And um, with your permission, we're just going to jump right in. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it up to Luke chapter 6. Uh, If you don't have a Bible um, or you don't want to pull out your Bible, we will put it up on screen for you, Um, and we won't judge you, even though we might. Um, Luke chapter chapter 6, verse 27 through 32 says this, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. So this morning, our topic that we're going to cover is is very much this... um, this idea of God's love. Um, this past Thursday, we celebrated Valentine's Day, and I hope everyone had a special day with their um, special people in their life. Um, but I wanted, I, when I think about Valentine's Day, it's interesting, because Valentine's Day seems to be a, a fairly exclusive holiday, if you consider it a holiday. 
Um, it's, it's a celebration for those who are in relationships. And we've probably all either been at one point or at least know somebody who um, isn't in a relationship and wants to be in a relationship. And um, for the, a person in that position, Valentine's Day can be tough. To be single on Valentine's Day can lead to emotions and thoughts of loneliness, um, maybe that they're unloved. But I want to start off this morning and simply say this, that if you are here this morning and, and you had a tough Valentine day, Valentine's Day and um, maybe you're feeling lonely and you're feeling unloved and you feel like there's nobody out there for you, I want to just simply assure you uh, that God loves you and that not only does God love you, that there is no measure to the amount that God loves you. This morning, we're, we're going to be continuing uh, in a series that I actually started um, in Refresh. It's been about a month now, and we've been going through this series, and long story short, it's, it's basically an identity series. It's a study through our identity, which we know as believers is in Jesus Christ. So the short version of this series, just to bring us all up to speed in preparation for this morning's text, is this, that our identity is not in earthly things, but is found only in Jesus Christ. And our identity is not in money or good looks, the success of our children, or lavish vacations. It is our Savior that everything we do in this life should reflect. Christ is the same for you as he is for me. And we're to reflect Christ in our life. So if we're to reflect Christ, and Christ is the same for me as he is for you, then there are things in my life that should be similar to things in your life. Namely, the things that we both are reflecting. And that's the constant, which is Christ. And over the last couple weeks in this series, we've started looking at some of these key things that our lives should resemble because we're reflecting Christ. And that leads us to this morning where we're going to focus on uh, us displaying the same love that God has shown us. When we're um, representing our true identity, when we're reflecting Christ, we will have a love different than the world. So my main point for today is this, that God has demonstrated to us who and how to love. Our time together this morning will be pretty straightforward. I'm going to ask one question. I'll make one observation, which will lead us to one application. So the question is, what does the love of God look like? The observation through Scripture is that we are called to share with others that same level of love, and then the application will be how. How on earth are we able to do something so seemingly impossible as loving others, even our enemies. So we're going to just start with this basic question, what does the love of God look like? And I want to start with my concern. The reason that led me to this topic when uh, preparing this series, why is it that I wanted to talk about the love of God? Well, the reason is because I think that there's a major difference, there's a discrepancy between uh, what we understand love is from a cultural standpoint and what the Bible shows us love is. The Webster Dictionary defines love as an intense feeling of deep affection. And I believe that this is a very limited understanding of what love is, especially when we see this um, on the part of God towards us in our life. My concern for us this morning is that we, as we read Scripture, we come to the um, 
overwhelming understanding that God loves us. We read passages like John 3.16 that tell us of God's love for us. But my fear is that we take into those verses our limited understanding of God's love. So when we read passages that tell us of God's love for us, what we hear is that God really likes me, that God has feelings of deep affection for me, which is true, but it's also a far cry from the true love of God as he has shown us. And this is the very problem. When we boil down God's love to the simple emotions and feeling-based experience, and when things in our life become a little more turbulent, when things uh, stop going exactly the way we want them to, this is when we start to have these unhealthy questions, the, the questions like, why? Why would God do this if he loves me? We begin to doubt God's love for us. As soon as we don't feel loved, we assume that it's because God no longer loves us, which couldn't be further from the truth. If there's one thing that I want to accomplish this morning, it's this, that not a single person here today will leave here without having at least heard of the depth of God's love for you. And, and if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing the depths of his love for you, I hope and pray that the scripture and this message will be a catalyst to introduce you to the only Savior that this life has to offer you. If you're here this morning and Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if you do not have a personal relationship with him, you need to know how much God loves you. If you've been a faithful believer for 50 years, this message is also for you. Every single one of us needs to deeply understand just how much God loves us. We cannot love others if we don't first understand God's love for us. I heard a, I heard a song on the radio this week. If, you're, if you follow the, the Christian radio channels, you've probably heard this song at some point, but it's a new song by Torin Wells, and it's titled Known. And the interesting thing about this, um, this song is it, it's quite simply stating that we are fully known, yet fully loved by God. And this is both a humbling and sobering truth that I want us to reflect on for just a moment. In a time where we are, as people, so critical of other people's mistakes, we need to realize that most people around us probably don't fully know us. There are probably thoughts that have run through your head that you don't share with anyone. How many people around you would, would love you if they truly knew every thought that you have ever had? I had a, I had a pastor one time in a moment of, of honest transparency, which is refreshing, share that if every thought that had ever crossed his mind was, was put up on display for the world to see, that he would never leave his room out of embarrassment and shame. And here's, here's the reality. There's no action, there's no sin, no thought that you have ever had that God does not fully know. I want you to think about that for a second. That is both an amazing and a terrifying thought all at the same time. He knows every thought that you have ever had, yet he still loves you. Can you imagine if God was as critical with us as we are with others? How many marriages could be saved if we loved our spouses the way that God loves us? 
How many friendships could be reconciled if we were able to forgive our friends of petty mistakes the way that God has forgiven us? Not only does God love you, but he loves you while fully knowing you. All of your failures, all of your struggles, your shortcomings and weaknesses, yet he loves you anyways. And I say you personally. If that wasn't amazing enough that God loves you, even after fully knowing all of your baggage and all of the shortcomings in your life and the sin, he doesn't just love you. He loved you enough to lay down his life for you. Romans 5.8 tells us that, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's amazing here is God's love for us, not after we figured it all out, not after we made amends of all of our mistakes, not after we finally started to get it right and started to, to produce more good works than bad works, but while still sinners, while still rebelling against God, he loved you enough to send his son for you. Have you ever thought about why Christ had to die? Why couldn't God have just snapped his fingers and his infinite power and wisdom and forgiven us without the need of a sacrifice? Couldn't he just snap his fingers and, and it basically becomes a journal transfer of our names into the book of life? Well, the short answer is no. Because to do so would be unjust and to do so would be outside of his very character. God cannot ignore sin. The punishment for sin had to be paid. God is a just God. And the reality is our sin is serious. Our sins carry with it a punishment that Scripture outlines inescapably clear, and that's death. We see that in Romans 6.23, but not just death, eternal separation from God. That is what each and every one of us deserves. When Christ died on the cross, he didn't die to erase our sins. He didn't even die to forgive us of our sins. He died to pay the penalty of our sins so that way we could be forgiven. Our sin racked up a debt that we could never pay. So Jesus Christ stepped in and paid it for you with nail-pierced hands. You see, the reason that any of us will one day stand face-to-face -face with God in eternity is not because of our works, is not because our sin was forgotten or ignored or even overlooked, but only because the price for our sins had already been paid on the cross. This is the standard of love demonstrated to us. We see this in Romans 5.8 as I already read, while still sinners, Christ died for us. John 15.13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life. We, what we're talking about here is we're talking about abundant sacrificial love for undeserving people. Abundant sacrificial love for undeserving people. And this is the love that we're called to demonstrate to others. Luke 6, 27, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. And, and that verse goes on. How, how completely opposite of what culture tells us we should do is this passage. We are so trained culturally to repay hate with hate and to only love those who are good to us, those who deserve 
our love. I want you to think right now of one person in your life that you dislike more than the most. Maybe you'd even go as far as saying hate them. Don't raise your hand. I want you to now realize that this scripture is calling you to love that person. And when I say love, keep in mind, I'm not saying having deep feelings of affection, which that would be challenging enough, would it not? But to even go as far as to love this person to the point that you would be willing to sacrifice for them, to put yourself in harm's way for them, to even be willing to lay down your life for them. Does this not seem impossible? What does this even look like in our lives practically? which we're going to get to in a moment, but I, want to, I think it's necessary because this is challenging. This is tough to take a moment and look at a couple scriptures just to, just to affirm to ourselves that this is what God's word is actually telling us. I don't want us to leave here with any doubt that God's word is clearly telling us that we are to love everyone, not just our family and friends, those that uh, are truly deserving of our love. We read in Matthew 44, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what the culture tells us. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Uh, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you. This is a commandment. This is not a suggestion. I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. First John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, undeserving people, we also ought to love one another. We read, I mean, read 1 Corinthians 13. It's an entire chapter about how we're to display love. When was, when was the last time you prayed for maybe the person you were just thinking about a moment ago? When was the last time you prayed for that? What does your prayer life look like for that individual? I don't know about you, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself, this, this convicts me. Maybe I'm the only one here, I hope I am, but I don't think I am. But writing this message convicted me because honestly, there's people in my life that um, I can't honestly say that I love. I don't know that I would be able to sacrifice for them. And I can, I can openly acknowledge that of my own sin and in, in transparency with you guys and acknowledge that I have much work to do in my life. It's clearly against God's word for me to be so selfish and proud, thinking myself to be better than someone else, which, as we'll boil down in a moment, is exactly what happens when we are unwilling to forgive someone. What we're actually dealing with is pride. That's just a couple verses all telling us the same thing, that we can't leave here today if we are determined to stand firm in God's word, thinking that this idea of loving those around us is simply a suggestion, a good idea for you. This is a clear command in God's word and isn't really a debatable issue. We need to have a love for everyone, even those who are the farthest from deserving our love. I appreciate what Pastor Grant mentioned a few weeks ago when he preached here Sunday morning. He mentioned that our life might be the only exposure to Jesus that someone has. Our lives should be so countercultural that when we turn the other cheek, when we forgive the unforgivable and when we love the unlovable, 
everyone that this world tells us that we should hate. This seemingly reckless level of mercy and grace and love does one thing and one thing only. And that's point people to the cross and shows them the love of God that we have through Christ and only Christ. So the question comes down to how. The biggest problem we face when struggling with being able to forgive someone or love someone that we feel doesn't deserve our love or forgiveness is pride. And I say this having already confessed my own issues with this. I understand that this is a tough pill to swallow. But the reality is that we have a tendency to look down on our enemies and to look at them and say, you are undeserving of my love and forgiveness because I am better than you. Now, you may not say it out loud. You may not even realize that this is what's going on in our heads. But when we sit back and soberly sort through this, you will see that this is the case. And this is exactly what we see happening in the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. Verses 23 starts and says this, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began the settlement, uh, the settlement a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Pause, that's a lot. 10,000 bags of gold. And since he was not able to pay, that's an unpayable debt. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay that debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, which he didn't have to do. Canceled the debt and let him go. Could you imagine if you had a 10,000 bag worth of gold debt forgiven from your life? But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. When the other servants saw what, he had, uh, what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. To be loved and forgiven as much as we have been when we were the farthest things from deserving of God's love and forgiveness. And then for us to turn to our neighbor and hate them because they have wronged us is no different than being forgiven of a lifetime of debt and then going to collect on one day's wage from someone else. Jesus Christ had far more justification to look down on us and tell us that we are undeserving of forgiveness and his love. He was more justified to do that than we are to look down on those around us. In order to love as Christ loved us, we first need to come to the sobering and humbling truth that we were more undeserving of God's love then those around us are undeserving of our love. Christ loved us anyways so much that he died for us so that way we could be reunited with our Father in glory. 
When we come to realize just how merciful and gracious God has been to us, how could we possibly not reciprocate that to those around us? Just like the servant who was pardoned of a debt of 10,000 bags of gold, how could we be forgiven so much and then refuse the same mercy and grace over a 100 pieces of silver? In conclusion, my hope is that we all reflect this Valentine's Day weekend on the depth of God's love for you. Not an emotional, feelings-based affection for you, but a deep, sacrificial love. A love that would do anything, even go to the cross when you weren't deserving. For those of us, um, for, I mean, for those of us here that maybe don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I urge you to accept this love that He has for you. He died for you to take away the guilt and shame and the chains that bind you. If you feel hopeless like you don't know what this life is all about, what the purpose of this life is for you. Maybe you're struggling with depression. Maybe you feel like no one loves you. You're unlovable. I stand here boldly to tell you that you are loved more deeply than you could possibly fathom. If that is you this morning and you want to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, don't feel like you have to wait another minute. He is ready He has already offered you the gift of salvation. All that is left is for you to receive it. I urge you this morning, um, after we conclude, to come to the organ. We have prayer counselors who want to introduce you to the Savior. Christ wants to walk alongside you. Don't think that you have to walk through this life alone. The question only becomes, will you let him walk alongside you? If you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ and your identity is found in only Jesus Christ, I pray that we take this deeper understanding of the depth of God's love for us and that it influences the way that we interact with one another. That our hearts break for those who persecute us because we see through their hatred and their wicked acts against us and we see the state of their soul, a soul lost with no hope. And this sadness that we feel for them in their hopelessness fuels our love for them that we love them so much that we're able to forgive them and, and overcome and overlook their transgressions against us in efforts to reach them with the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the hope that we know they need. A hope that they can get nowhere else. I pray that we as the body of Christ reflect Christ, that when the world looks at us, they see something completely different from the world. That when the world looks at us, they see Jesus. Amen? Let me pray for us. Dear God, we we thank you for um, sobering, humbling moments like this where we're we're forced to realize uh, how undeserving we were of your love. How we, we, there's nothing that we did that prompted you to love us. But you, um, in your mercy and in your grace, were, uh, were willing to look past our many faults, our many issues, our many sins, and love us anyways, and send your son to die for us. There's truly no words that we can use to um, express 
the gratitude and the love that we have because of your love for us, a love that we can't help but share with those around us. God, I pray that, that hate is not a word in our vocabulary, that we love those around us, that our love for the people who we should hate fuels those in whom we love to ask questions why. And when they ask questions why, the answer is given, and it's because of you. God, we thank you. We ask for boldness and courage as we leave here this morning. I pray that if there's anybody here that does not know you, Lord, that you pierce their hearts in this moment, that they come to know you this morning, not tomorrow, not next week. We know you're ready. I pray that these souls are ready. God, I thank you. We ask that you bless the rest of this Sunday morning and that we live a life so bold, so countercultural, that we look foolish to the rest of the world. But it's that foolishness that points to the love that you showed us. God, we thank you. We ask that you bless this time in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Along with that love, we're going to be singing a song for you that just encourages us to live out what the Holy Spirit desires of us in our lives so that we can spread the love of Jesus to those around us. Go ahead and stand with us as we sing. Come breathe on.
with us now. Lift up your voice and sing. He is holy. Lift up your hands and shout. The Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing. He is holy. Lift up your hands and shout. The Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing. He is holy. Lift up your hands and shout. The Lord is with us now. Lift up your voice and sing. He is holy. place but as always we have prayer counselors next to the organ by the prayer table they will wait for you you can lay your burden down today you don't need to carry it out if there's a prayer concern in your life but first let's all pray together thank you lord jesus for this reminder of how much you love us in the week ahead we pray lord that you give us opportunities to love those around us in shocking ways in ways that will surprise and cause jesus to be seen Allow us to accomplish that, we pray, and the actions that we take, the words that we say, and dismiss us now with your blessing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.